Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my podcast. I am recording here today on a bright, sunny day, very chilly here in Chicago, but am looking forward to sharing some thoughts with you as we continue our sermon series here at a church called Where the Wild Things Are, and I'll explain a little bit about that in a moment. But first, let me read the two uh, read two passages that I'll be using. The first comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, and then I'm going to jump over to 2 Timothy near the end of the New Testament, and that is 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. So hear these words. The tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And now from Second Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So almost two years ago, a group from our church went over to Germany for a mission trip. Um, several years ago, I made some contacts in Germany, including with a United Methodist missionary named Barry Sloan. Barry has done some really great work in Chemnitz, a city in East Germany, and uh, in our relationship, uh, we decided that we would have a team of folks from our church go over there and help them to begin to start a new ministry in that city, and uh, it was a great time. And one day, we um, went from Chemnitz to Dresden, a city nearby, which was bombed heavily in World War II, and much of it has been rebuilt since then. And so we went to Dresden. And while we were there, uh, we were there in August, and it was blisteringly hot uh, in Europe at that time. I mean, so abnormally hot, and so probably close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit or so. And in this part of the world, and also we had spent a couple days in Prague, not a lot of places of air conditioning, so it was stifling to say the least. But as we went to Dresden, uh, Barry had lined up a guide for us to take us around Dresden and see it, and we really appreciated that. But as we went to go and see the city, this was not your typical walking tour guide. Uh, this was not a bus. Instead, it was this contraption, calling it a bicycle doesn't even come close to describing what it is. Um, it is uh, a bicycle of sorts but it is a bicycle built for about eight people. So you all sit in this seat and you all pedal, but one person has the steering. So you all are providing the power, but one person is guiding you along the way. It's impossible to describe. I'll see if I can find a picture and put it up on the Podbean page. But I had never seen anything like this before. My kids had not seen it either, and they were fascinated and were thrilled that they were going to go on this thing. But uh, still, not quite sure... Uh, what it was going to be like. Uh, and it was really hot, but instead it was also a lot of fun and really helpful to have someone 
who was guiding us, not only literally steering this contraption for us, but also to point out certain things about the city, giving us some history, giving us a taste of what the culture was like, and overall just making it a really great experience rather than just uh, looking through a map or a tour guide, which is often what my go-to is whenever I go to a new place. It was a living, breathing person who led all of us along. So I thought about that tour guide this week as I thought about this uh, focus for the sermon today. I mentioned earlier that we're in this series called Where the Wild Things Are. We're paying particular attention to the story of Jesus' temptation. And we pick up here in this passage that Jesus has gone into the wilderness immediately after his baptism. And so we're taking a look at what does it mean for us today to be in wilderness? We're often led ourselves into one wilderness or another. Sometimes that's renewing. If you've gone on a hike in nature or gone camping, perhaps that's a way to get close to God. But also going into the wilderness can be challenging, especially if we're not comfortable with that, if it's new for us, if we don't know exactly how to do it or where to go. And so what does that mean for us to be in our own wilderness, sometimes literally and sometimes metaphorically? So we wanted to reflect on that. How do we move through the wilderness and how do we indeed draw closer to God in the midst of it when we're tempted and challenged? Well, last week we read about Jesus' initial response. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end, you remember, I talked about him feeling famished. That's what the text tells us. But after that time, uh, we pick up on this text, and that's where we pick up on verse 3 today. And one thing that we may not notice, at least it's not explicitly stated in this passage, is that Jesus wasn't necessarily all alone. I mean, there's the person who's tempting there, the devil, as we read in the text, but Jesus also had his own guide. And you may go back and through the text to try to find who is this person who is guiding Jesus, who is there with Jesus all along. But it's not the guide that we may think. So again, we see here that the devil is there to tempt Jesus in its broader usage. The word devil here comes to mean in the scriptures, one who attacks, misleads, deceives. And so in our own wilderness, perhaps that's the Uh, What happens to us when we're in a place of uncertainty and we see others or other things can do that, mislead us or attack us. Here in this text, the devil wants to mislead Jesus about what does it mean to be the son of God? What does it mean to live out the purposes of God? So there's the first temptation that comes Jesus' way. And then Jesus responds. And I want you to focus on last week. I just wanted you to focus on the word famished. Today, I want you to focus on three words. And this gives us a hint about who Jesus or what Jesus' guide is. So in verse four, after the tempter comes to to where Jesus is and, and says, if you are who you say you are, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And then Jesus says, it is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the word of God. Notice what Jesus says here. It is written. And by that, I mean, Jesus has the scriptures in his heart. The scriptures, what he has taken in, what he has learned, what he has no doubt memorized, what he has 
prayed over in his life. That's his guide. Those are the things that help him in these moments of temptation, of the moments of not being sure where to go or how to respond. In the text here, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. And in this case, Jesus is saying that there is more at stake in the moment than just food. But instead, Jesus says that he will not misuse, misuse his power for personal material gain. And then it happens again. So right after Jesus answers the devil, there's another test. And interestingly, notice here that the devil plays Jesus' game. The devil says, it is written, and then tries to quote uh, scripture back to Jesus. But the devil is using scripture out of context. And then Jesus rebuts him again. Jesus again says, it is written. Jesus is telling him, no, you may think you know what it means, what scripture means, but I am telling you something more uh, holistic and getting at what the scriptures really mean. So we see here in the midst of his temptation, he has a guide. He has a guide. There is one there that is leading him when he faces his biggest temptations in the wilderness. His guide are those words that he knows in his heart. It's the thing that helps him stay true to his purpose. And that is to trust God rather than to use the power for himself and his desire for being in his wilderness, in the wilderness. You know, so often when we think about the Bible, and if you think about the Bible as guide, that might probably make sense for you. But I want you to think more closely about it, because so often when we think about the Bible, we think about the Bible only as a reference manual. I mean, it's there maybe on a shelf, and it's there maybe next to the encyclopedia, or maybe it's there next to the dictionary, because where do you put the Bible in your home? Where do you put it on the shelf? And I have certainly seen that at times in my life in that way, I've joked with right now we have a group going through what we call starting point at Urban Village. These are people who are new to the church. And last week we talked about their first Bible and what it looked like. And I talked about my first Bible. And at the front of it, at the front of this Bible, there were little boxes that showed how far you have read the Bible. And so there's Genesis and then it lists all the different boxes for the number of chapters in Genesis and then Exodus and so on. And in the first part, I, I saw this and started reading the Bible. And so I started uh, checking the boxes. And then I stopped after about uh, chapter 18. And then two years later, I tried it again. This time I shaded in the boxes. And uh, it was, I didn't get, I got a little bit further, but not much farther. But it was, uh, for me, kind of uh, a, a reference, but also uh, something to accomplish, I'm going to read the Bible because it's this book. It's almost like this mountain that I'm going to climb. And sometimes two people want to use the Bible as magic, meaning I've had many conversations with folks who they are getting into arguments with their family about some sort of biblical interpretation. And the family member seemingly is more biblically literate than they are. And they come to me and they, they want that magic verse that I can give them that will uh, refute whatever it is that their family member is, is using against them. 
And sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's really not. Now, there's nothing wrong with using the Bible as a reference. If you're feeling, uh, struggling with a certain emotion or going through a difficult time, there's certainly places in the Bible you can go to and, and learn. But I, the Bible is more than just a reference book for us. It is a living, breathing thing that God desires to be our companion, our guide through life, especially in the wilderness. Whenever we find ourselves in a place where we are tempted or we struggle, and there are lots of places that we can go, sometimes we may try an attempt at prayer or go to people that we know, or maybe we go down a path perhaps that isn't particularly healthy for us. But I want us especially in these days when more and more people are feeling uncomfortable with the scripture, I want us to reclaim the scriptures as a place for us to use as a guide, a living guide, not just something to put on a shelf and pull out when you need it. But instead, like this woman who was leading us at Dresden, to begin to guide us around and make life come alive for us. Notice, again, what it says in the passage from 2 Timothy. It says that every picture is useful or inspired. Sorry, all scripture is inspired by God. And I want to read for you another translation. This is from the message translation, a very modern translation of the scripture. I want you to hear again these words about the scriptures in 2 Timothy. It says this, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So not only that really wonderful way of describing the scripture as the uh, NRSV, which was the first translation I read, says inspired, and really a better way of getting at it, I think, is what the message does here, saying that the scriptures are God-breathed. And then notice that there are verbs here for what the scriptures do. They show us, they expose, they correct, they train all of these things. This is a living document, a living guide for us, if only we will use it as such. But we get tripped up sometimes when we think of it only in one way. And I recognize that coming to the Bible can be intimidating. I've said this often because it's just... There's just so many words, and there are numbers, and there are maps in there, and it seems ancient, and it doesn't always seem to apply to our life today, and there are parts of it that seem particularly violent. It has been misused against uh, individuals in the past. It has been used to uh, condone slavery. It has been used to condone patriarchy in households and in the church. It's been used and abused, I should say, in many different ways. And so there are some who want to keep it at a distance, a far distance from us. But if we can overcome that gap, then I think we could find, indeed, that the scriptures, when read thoughtfully, when taken in context, it can be used to be a wonderful guide for us. It's a really great story that I read about the scriptures uh, written by an author named Kathleen Norris from the book Amazing Grace. And uh, there's a, a chapter in that book called Bible, 
Kathleen Norris takes words, vocabulary that we may not quite um, know the full meaning of or that we think we know the meaning of. And in this very short chapter called Bible, she tells a great story. The chapter is only four paragraphs long, but it offers one of the best stories I've ever read about the scriptures. Norris describes one night when she and her husband were visiting with what she calls in the text an old-timer. This is a tough, self-made man in the classic American sense. And she met him at a local steakhouse. This is in North Dakota where um, she was living at the time. The man, and Norris calls him Arlo, the man was more talkative than he normally was. And he was sharing a story about his grandfather, this man, this grandfather who was deeply religious. His grandfather had given Arlo and his wife a Bible as a wedding present. And the man described it as bound in white leather with their names and the date of their wedding set in gold lettering on the cover. Arlo wasn't much of a religious man himself, so they just stored it away. Remember what I talked about on the shelf? Not really sure where to put it. That's where they put it. Out of sight, out of mind. However, his grandfather kept asking him, how do you like the Bible that he'd given him? And Arlo was puzzled by this because his wife had sent him a thank you note and he thanked him in person, but his grandfather kept pestering him about it. Months later, Arlo finally got the Bible out to see what the big deal was, and he discovered his grandfather had put a $20 bill in the front of every book, both Old Testament and New. It was quite a gift, more than $1,300, which Arlo noted was a lot of money in them days. I love this. This is a great story about the discovery of unexpected treasures in the Bible. I get that the Bible can be really intimidating, and I get particularly if the Bible has been used against you in the past, that it would be a really hard thing to do uh, to come back to it. But I'm asking you to think about the Bible not as this book, not just as this reference, but instead to think of it as a guide. Approaching the Bible can be like when we were approaching that funky-looking bicycle in Dresden. Like, how do you get on this thing, and how does it work? And yet, I believe that the Spirit is with you as you begin to read through the Bible. And, of course, there are lots and lots of different ways. I would not necessarily recommend starting at Genesis and plowing your way through it like that, but um, there are really great devotionals, and I'll put one example up on uh, the Podbean page, and there are other ways of, of reading the Scripture. But I would encourage you to see this really as a way to interact with God. Don't see the Bible necessarily as like this is the uh, only way to see things. Or rather, I should say, when you read a passage and uh, if it doesn't make sense to you or if it seems like it portrays God in a way that doesn't seem right to you, to question it and to wrestle with it and go to somebody else. And, I, you know, I read this in the scriptures. It doesn't make sense for me. Don't just read it and make assumptions about, well, this clearly is who God is and how God is, but instead to, to get to know it and to really um, spend time with it all along knowing that this is a living, breathing thing. This is a way for us, for God to be with us in the midst of our own wilderness. When we're feeling challenged, when we're feeling lost, when we're feeling tempted, when we're feeling like we don't really exactly know where we're going or what we're doing, there is a guide for us to help us. It is a map of sorts, and it is not just something that collects dust, dust, but it can be something that 
can help and guide us along the way. It adds color to our lives. Uh, it is something for us to explore on a regular basis. It has so many treasures for us. If we will take the time and have the patience to start exploring what it's all about. I'll certainly I make that point to my folks at Urban Village, but for you listening today, if you're not part of Urban Village, please reach out to me. I'm happy to share lots of different ways for you to begin to explore the scriptures so that it can become a friendly guide for you too. I hope that you'll take me up on that offer as we explore this really wonderful way that God wants to convey God's love for us. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening today to this podcast. I'm going to be off for um, two or three weeks. Well, two weeks. Um, I won't be recording a podcast next week. And then the week after that one is our big birthday celebration at Urban Village. And so if you ever want to uh, hear that sermon, it'll be me. And then our other three site pastors at Urban Village will be recording that sermon live on March 26th. You can go to the Urban Village Podbean page, that's uvchurch.podbean.com, and hear that. And while you're at the Urban Village Podbean page, you can hear the other site pastors preaching their own sermons too. It's a great way to begin to get to know this faith community. So until the next time that I am with you, I pray as you continue through this series of Lent that Christ's peace and strength will be with you.